Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast. Each week, we'll be talking about the NHL, being visually impaired, and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey. We'll be talking shop about everything from the equipment we wear to how we've adapted our play style to fit our site. We'll also be talking to members of the blind hockey community and getting to know their stories and what has led them to the sport. We're really glad to have you with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is our small slice of hockey, and we'd like to think that it shows that hockey truly is for everyone. All right, and welcome back. This is episode six of the Dented Puck Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Tony and Josh. Boys, how you doing? Well, thanks for asking, Drew. You know, the NHL season is finally on its way, and, uh, you know, it's started. Um, <laughs> if uh, you're a fan of certain teams, it's, <laughs> it's pretty frustrating, but, you know, well, at least we got hockey back. What's up, guys? I'm one of those teams that's not frustrated, and we're going to take it to the Rangers tonight. Hopefully. We'll see. And I have uh, I have two of your boys in um, in uh, FanDuel tonight, so uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, Debrinkit, I don't know who the other one is. Debrinkit and someone else. We'll see. Devils are going to end up with two, Devils gonna end up with two wins tonight. Uh, I'm sorry that you had those guys. Uh, <laughs> so guys, we are also joined today by two folks, the Deans, uh, from Texas. They are part of two coaches for the Dallas blind program. And Sharon is also the organization. Gosh, Sharon, you're going to have to tell me that again. The organizational development your, your title. There we go, man. I, I swear. <laughs> The, the the organizational development coordinate coordinator. Uh, that'll work too. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's, that's where we'll get there. <laughs> well, it, once it's on the air, it can never be taken back. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both, Sharon and Wally. Thank you for coming uh, onto our show all the way from from Dallas, um, my home. Uh, it's nice to have you on the show. How are you doing? Doing pretty good tonight. Doing pretty good. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to have you guys on because usually we have blind folks on, but you know, uh, you guys are both volunteers through through our program, so it'll be be a different uh, point of view, for for lack of a better term. Let's get into let's get into hockey. Um, all I'm going to say about the Blackhawks is that I, I don't know. Uh, and uh, guys, the Leafs are still. I'm telling you, they're going to win the cup. That's that's just all I have to say for the rest of the season. Not a chance. Colorado Avalanche are winning the cup this year. There's nobody in the planet that can stop Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and and Wally and Sharon, maybe you can back me up. I'm pretty sure the Stars stopped Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs last season. Last season, but that was out the with the additions of Brandon Saad, Devon Taves, like another year <laughs> under their belt. Who knows? I mean, who knows? You know, if the Leafs win the cup, you know, I'm. I, let's just hope that Toronto doesn't go down in the flames because I'm not sure how they're going to react. So. It's the same thing with like the the Buffalo Bills. Like, I'm afraid if the Bills win the the uh, the Super Bowl, that 
the city's gonna riot or something. It's just like that's the absolute last thing we need right now is another riot in any form. That's definitely true. Uh, so Wally and, and Sharon, you guys are, you have kind of an interesting story because you, Sharon, you're from Texas. Wally, you're from Chicago. So are you Stars fans? Are you Blackhawks fans? We're on the air, so I have to make it official, right? <laughs> no, okay. See, here, here's the thing. You don't. I have four teams that I root for. The Blackhawks are my number one, then the Stars, then the Leafs, and then the Ducks. Ducks by marriage, uh, so you can you can like as many teams as you like. I mean, we, we'll judge you for it, but what a season to judge me! I am a Blackhawks fan. Yes, but I also follow the Stars because we do live in Texas, and I am from Texas. Unfortunately, I'm a Blackhawks fan with our goalie problems, I guess, at this point. Um, it's been very depressing to watch. Um, but I do follow the Stars also. I mean, at least you guys kept it to two teams that make geographical sense to where you live. I'm all over the place. Yeah, bro, you're all over <laughs> the map. <laughs> Josh is Josh has got to be like, well, at least uh, you know I choose where I'm from, and that's I I stay I stay local, and I just inherit other teams' goalie problems. Then they become my own. <laughs> well, I also play fantasy hockey, so I usually also follow the teams with you know where I've got the players and the goalies. However. Being the competitive person that I am in the terrible season that my brand new fantasy team is having, and you're talking about the Avalanche winning, and I've got a backup goalie for them who's now out. Um, yeah, it's not looking so good. Did Brancus get injured? Yeah, he's out. He started out injured and then he came in, you know, and now I see today that he's got day to day with a lower body injury. No, that's not good. No. Okay, this is my first season playing fantasy hockey, and it's brought me to this whole other OCD level of watching hockey. Yes. For real. But if you want like, <laughs> to talk about a terrible first week, I have Miro Haskinen, Jamie Benn, and Joe Pavelski on my team. I couldn't play any. I only get them on Friday. I have them for two days out of this whole week. Yes. I, just <laughs> so are you are you do you guys go to games? I mean I and whenever I'm down there I try and go see them because the tickets tend to be a little bit cheaper. I guess Texans haven't quite caught on to, to hockey yet. Considering yeah, we go to games here um when we can if the Blackhawks are in town, definitely. Um, the last Blackhawks game we went to in Chicago, we had standing room only seats that were more expensive than lower bowl seats here in uh, Dallas. Oh. So it, it, it's much more cost effective here to watch a game. Oh yeah, no, I I can imagine it. I when when I was growing up, we could sit nine rows off the glass at the United Center for less than a standing room ticket now at the United Center. That's true. And there's lots of Blackhawk fans here. So when the, the Stars play the Blackhawks, you see lots of black. You see a lot of red. There's a big sea of red here. Oh, yes. That's good. We show up days, in a 
couldn't sell out um, the Red Wings. He'd see more Red Wings jerseys at the games when they were playing the Red Wings too, which is my least favorite team. So whoever is playing the Red Wings, I root for. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to pull a wild card and say that was your second team, and that was going to be a whole other conversation. <laughs> It's like uh, as a Bears fan, who's your who do you root for? You root for the Bears and whoever's playing Green Bay. Yep. There we go. Exactly. Well, hockey is that it's amazing to have the NHL back. But um, you know, we we brought you guys on here to to talk about blind hockey. So um, welcome to three periods with the deans. Uh, Tony's going to lead us off. We're going to ask you some some questions. You can tell us what you want. You, you don't even have to tell us the truth. You can make it up, and we wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your uh, Tuesday to join us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And it's going to be really interesting because we're about to get, you know, kind of an outside perspective. And this is our first show where we're, we're having you a couple of guests who do not have a, a visual disability. Um, do I, is that correct or am, am I misunderstood? No, that's correct. Absolutely. And then, so, so like I was saying earlier to you prior to the show started, having volunteers like help us like at the events, whether it's you know helping people to the locker room or the, the folk who watch the dogs there's so many different things and that go behind the scenes and i i feel like volunteers at sometimes can be appreciated but i just wanted to start off just by saying like with awesome yeah awesome and so it also is my understanding that you guys have a program out in, in dallas texas and that you know, I, I lived in Texas and I played hockey in Texas and out, out of Sugarland. I played for a junior hockey team out there um, and, and kind of like took over where the Houston Arrows used to play and or their practice arena. And like that was a blast. Like, what's it like having like a Dallas blind hockey program? Like, is there a lot of skaters? Like, you know, what's that like out there? Well, um, actually, when we left Chicago, we were a little sad because we were leaving behind our Chicago Blackhawks blind hockey team that we had just, you know, started coaching the season before. And we learned immediately that Dallas is doing a blind skate for free the following October. I'm like, what? They're going to do a program here? So we're super excited. And through um, the general manager of the team here, Howard Kiddo, who has a son who's visually impaired, who plays with sighted uh, travel teams, but he wanted to start the program and get involved uh, and, and start get, get a good program going here. So they went through the, the school systems where they could, where his son goes to school and kind of got the word out. So the program was, was just starting. And so we were able to, you know, jump on the ice as coaches and support the team. But you're looking at individuals, you know, sweet spot age, which young men about, you know, 11 to 12 years old, but still age ranging from about five to 60. 
and no one had really skated. So the program here looked like, wow, where people have to learn to skate <laughs> as well as play hockey. But it was an amazing inaugural season. Of course, we shut down early because of the COVID pandemic. But 24 on the roster, probably around 13-ish to each practice. 13 steady. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Amazing picking up the skating. Amazing uh, learning, you know, uh, the, the drills in the game coming together. It, it's just been awesome. Wow, that is honestly, it's so great to hear. And, you know, the, the main reason that I, I was just like, I got to do this podcast with these guys. I, I feel like the growth of this game is, is really, truly important. And it's going to take places like Texas where hockey isn't like a predominant sport, like football or something like that, you know. And I, I love Texas. Like, it, it was definitely one of the coolest places to ever live. I'm actually going to be going there next week on Tuesday in Austin. I'm incredibly excited. Um, and I like, I, I truly believe like, I think you guys should have a team in Houston. I think you guys should have a team in Austin and have a team in Fort Worth, you know? So like, there's this huge community and you guys can have some competition. Do you, do you see like, do you see an opportunity for the sport to grow blind hockey in Texas? Absolutely. Actually, earlier this uh, or later last year, I was invited by one of our, uh, our our girls on the blind hockey team to speak about blind hockey at uh, through Haven uh, Sports, which is a visually impaired organization down in the Houston area, and they were just, they were like really in, interested. Blind hockey, that'd be great. We should get that here. And I thought, oh wow, good. You know, another avenue maybe to to drive some interest mm -hmm. and grow grow the team. Absolutely, and um, yeah, just it's everything about Texas, everything from free birds, burrito, whatever yeah. restaurant. <laughs> it, it, it's just different down there, and you know, I I, I miss it deeply and. I would love for blind hockey to pick up in Texas and maybe like one of the things that I, I think blind hockey and the way that it should go is there should be like a league, you know, what, what is your opinion on having like a whole entire league of blind hockey? Absolutely. I think there's, there's a lot of possibility uh, and it's getting the word out and we feel like you all with your podcast, you know, uh, are part of that, you know, initial group of influencers on social media to, to, to spread the word, um, to get it out there so others know about about the program. You're right. In Texas, it's it's a football, it's a football state. And anytime I mention to someone, oh yeah, I coach blind hockey, it takes a moment for them to process what I've just said. What? Blind hockey here in Texas. There's hockey. There's blind hockey. So it, it takes a little bit. There's there's still a lot of work to do on getting the word out, but the potential is is limitless. Absolutely. And so I got uh, one last question for each of you guys. It's a two parter. How long have you guys been playing, and what's your guys's position? You got that one. I got that. Right, go. I've been playing hockey for over thirty years. 
Um, played wow. grew up in Chicago playing hockey um, in the suburbs. Played high school there, and then uh, been playing adult league here in Texas pretty much forever. And uh, coached youth, coached adult, coaching blind hockey, and I play every position but goalie because that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not flexible I, enough. I, I'm sorry, I have to I have to interrupt. Where did you that's play good. in the suburbs? Um, Addison, Illinois. I played at Glen Ellen growing up, uh, no, where we had the Blackhawks. Practices. This is that is absolutely madness. Maybe you even played with my father. Mm. Did you go to Addison Trail? I did. Oh my God! I would <laughs> definitely. Does the name um, Tony Chesro or Mike Mikey Tavella sound familiar at all? No, no. Um, I went there uh, late nineties. Okay, yeah, my dad's older than you guys. Never mind. <laughs> Such a small world. Those are those are my home rinks. I started the second time I've ever skated was at Center Ice, and then uh, I I played the. They got rid of the Flames, and they became the the Addison. Bruins and I, I played for the Bruins. So and that that ice rink in Addison was being built um, as I was finishing up high school, and then I used to skate at the uh, YMCA in Elmhurst, the outdoor rink. Wow, this is it's such a small world. World like the hockey mean hockey community is just somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, you know, that it, it's absolutely madness. But uh, I think I'm going to pass the puck over to either Josh or Drew. I haven't decided which one I want to pass it to. So <laughs> who, who's getting the pass? Josh. I love, I love it. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I, I actually, Initially, when I inquired about blind hockey, I really wanted to coach because, in my eyes, it was a kid's sport. Um, What do you find are the differences uh, between coaching sighted sports or coaching coaching sighted hockey specifically and coaching blind hockey, besides the obvious? (laughs) The the obvious is... I can't show you how to do something anymore. So what I need to do is explain it as clear as I can of how I'm doing something. Like I'm shifting my weight onto this foot. I'm moving my shoulders this way. I'm dropping my shoulder to do a backhand. I have to explain all of that word for word of every motion that I'm taking so I can show you in words. Well, that's the biggest uh, challenge there has been is just figuring out a different way to explain things. We have, even on my team, we've had two different philosophies um, in how practices run. Because there are some that that really want to treat it very delicately, and there are some that really will just take it and be like, all right, boys, have at it. And, I mean, I, I, I sent two volunteers home with, with nice sore ankles, because, and I taught them to wear shin pads. But like, where do you and how do you feel that out? Because it is you are dealing with disabled people and a lot of people who can't see. How do you feel that out and and prepare a practice plan 
when you have, especially like you're talking about, you guys have a lot of a lot of people. That's an awesome number, um, especially with you guys because you guys have such a great number and probably such a varying different different level of skill. Exactly, we we do have that big variation um, in skill level. Um, we have, basically we have to determine where the players are, what their abilities are. And what you know, what where you're at progression-wise right now, and then work on that next progression. So some of the skaters, you know, the players may just be skating to figure out what they're doing. You know, understand the balance, understand the striding, and then at the end of practice, we get some puck play in there too. Uh, for the more advanced players, we're going to do more hockey-like drills, more skating but at the same time teaching, you know, positioning and uh, skills, basically. We may have a little scrimmage at the end, too. It's awesome. like a typical practice where you've got um, many different levels of players, you know, for like a house league situation where you've got youth players, where you're going to have highly skilled players and you're going to have lower skilled players at the beginning, and then you're trying to progress them all to the highest level. We were also a little challenged in that first year because we only had half the ice. Well, a quarter of the ice. A, a, quarter, a third of the ice. A yeah. third of the ice. So we had to figure out how to take those, I'm going to say some of those youngest, you know, first time small skaters and keep them in an area. So the those that were running more of the, the grill, the drills, excuse me, and doing more of the, you know, puck passing were on the other side. It was a delicate balance, but it we still, you know, ba based on skill level, we're able to. Now, how would okay? So this is this has started to come up a lot, and it's good that we're talking to you guys. And this is going to kind of lead into um, what Drew's going to talk about. But uh, how do you want if we're to we're we're trying to install some we've been talking to a bunch of people about installing some kind of framework because we're doing so many different things at different at different practices for different teams it comes down to it we're all start kind of being trained within the USA framework is there some what kind of model would you think would be the appropriate model for a blind hockey practice the ADM model works well for us because we've got the small games and uh, we can have skating drills. It, it's the ADM model that we use in USA Hockey does adapt, but the drills, you have to modify those drills to make it happen. Um, by sticking with that ADM, we're able to get the most out of the ice, get the most out of the players at the same time. No one's really standing around if we do, you know, stations and other things like that. You know, we do the stations, we do the skating. It all kind of flows together, and it's a good practice at the end of the day. Yeah, our, our team manager, general manager, Howard Kiddo, he's, um, you know, would travel a little and say, I'm going to leave the game, I'm going to leave the uh, uh, kind of the plan about what we'll go over this week, and he was following the model, and so as we got out, you know, sometimes it would be just Wally and I and maybe a couple of other volunteer coaches and we would follow his plan he had set out and it worked really well mm -hmm. it's just about you know making sure you're adapting it to 
fit in within the you know the abilities of your visually impaired players. And like I said, that's when my practices changed. We started doing things more like practices, then actually went towards the ADM model. I just have a gripe with small area games because I have a small field of vision. So it's just is not fun. <laughs> and and it and it's funny when coaches tell me, Well, Josh, you need to learn the stick handle in small in small in small area. And I'm like, You need to learn how little vision I have. There's not much stick handling in a small area. <laughs> The, and it's funny because our rinks, um, when I play with regular sighted people, I play on a reg regulation rink, but the rinks that we practice on are smaller rinks. So, like, I'll be going, we have volunteer guys who are college players, and they'll be coming at me full speed. And, like, and all of a sudden, I'll just go barreling into the goal or barreling into the boards because I'm used to taking strides and counting strides from where I am, and I'm just all over the place. Um. And I, I actually, I, I agree with you. Um, I think, I think the idea, because we have so many different skills, and when we started doing our, when we started doing the stations, um, they started splitting it up by skills. And we were able to get competition with someone that was a closer level skill to us, especially on a team like mine, that has a, a varying level of skill and a varying level of age. Where we, if we get a scrimmage together, it still it still has that varying level of skill together. So it's it's tough to get a certain level of scrimmage together with everybody on the same page. Um, but I, it's awesome to have outside coaches, and it's awesome to have coaches that that want to stick to blind hockey because I I, I feel that when we have coaches that can stick together and can stay on the same page, I think it's going to benefit us in the long run because what we do need is we need, we need that grassroots program that it, it seems like it's starting to get, it's starting to get there. Um, but of course we have COVID. So yeah. as a, as a coach, how, how would you guys promote that, that moving that grassroots towards, and actually building that grassroots towards that next level. I think um, just here in the in the Dallas area, we were on that path before COVID. Uh, we were starting to you know get a little bit more interest in uh, from some of the other um, individuals that were at the rink that were employed by the rink who were wanting to know more about it. We're coming to you know stand around and watch. What else you know can we do to? grow what can we do to help so the momentum was there so i think for us here it'll be picking back up on that same momentum once we can all safely be at the rink um, i know that some of the programs that are not um uh, some of the programs besides blind are already out playing some but then as you know they even uh, you know had shut the stars down from playing in the stars practice facility so until we get that that really hard, good hard start again, it'll be a challenge, but it'll be picking back up on that momentum and and you know getting more people involved. It's it's getting the word out. Absolutely. Um, and I've been I mean I've been dancing around the questions, so I'm going to send it over to Drew because it, it should I should have segued before, but I've been dancing around it. So his question is going to be related to where I'm go where I was going. Go ahead, dude. I hope I hope we're as telepathically connected as you think I am. Uh, uh, we are. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to start by like, so you guys are coaches. I think it's awesome to hear, um, you know, the, the planning that goes into practices and, and kind of the foresight that you have to have knowing your players as well. How do we keep the advanced players engaged with the team? Um, and, and with the sport and and I don't necessarily mean guys like me and Josh because we're we're older we grew up with hockey so now we have hockey again after vision loss you're not gonna lose like you're gonna have to like pay us to leave and even then I don't know if you have enough money um, but but we have some kids that are you know 15 16 17 18 years old that that are visually impaired that are playing this sport how do we make sure that that we keep them engaged and, and wanting to, to continue? That's a good question. I know here our sweet spot on players is about, I'm going to say 12. So it's, that's a group. They're in school together. They're, you know, this is their outlet together. They're, they're loving the game. And again, though, as you say, as you progress on into the ages where there's other distractions, it's, a, I think it's a matter of making sure that we're, uh, keeping the different um, events available, the, the camps, the summits, the festivals, so they can continue to feel part of that, that community, like all of us do, you know, as, as adults that are older than that age group. We, this is our go-to space, and it's, I think that helps. At least that's one aspect to help. What about Wally? Anything else? No, I agree with that 100%. You're a good husband. <laughs> he's, a, he's a smart man, a very smart man. Although you still root for the Blackhawks, I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're both not as smart as we think we are. Um. So my my and and I've I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I'm sure I've said it to enough people. One of one of the things that I think would be really beneficial for 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 players advanced players players that are learning everyone is is getting the opportunity to play more games um i think that that's a big i think that could be a big factor in keeping some of these um teenagers for or, or young adults um how how do we make sure that we can Sorry, I, I had a question and then it just left me. How do we how do we like how do we work up to that? Like how especially with them in Texas, like I'd love to go to down to Texas to play a few games. Like how do we how do we do that? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. You should probably rephrase it, but No, I mean that's that but that's that that is the question. Like how how I think I I have hockey and Wally back me up here. You know, like you were saying, you know where the puck needs to go and where the person should be because you played hockey so long that it's just muscle memory. It's hockey sense. And I think that that's one thing that a lot of our talented blind hockey players are missing. You know, they can skate, they can shoot, they can pass but they don't know where they need to be on a breakout or they don't know how the flow of a game is going to work with a cycle. And I feel like a lot of that you pick up playing games. So how do we make it accessible to more players to get more actual game time? The biggest thing I think we need to do is grow the sport. 
then you get more players, you get more organizations out there that are, you know, willing to travel, willing to meet with other teams and play games. That's that's the biggest thing is growing the sport, getting those numbers there so we can have, you know, travel. We're going to go, you know, Dallas is going to go up to New Jersey. Dallas is going to go up to, you know, we're going to go to Houston for games when we have Houston going up. We're going to go to Chicago, St. Louis. That's how you do it. You have to get those programs all over the place with the acceptable amount of players that can play to have these games. Um, instead of just if we group everyone together at the summit, that's great. But there's not, you know, there's not enough people out there playing yet. It, it, this is something that's going to take time. Yeah, I think sustainability is is going to be the challenge, but it's one that you know, we can just continue to to address. And and you know, I've said it one time. I'll say it again. It's it's getting the word out like you are doing now, getting it out there to the masses who who need to hear this is out there that that, that hockey is available maybe in their community, and it's not. Um, how do they get started? Who do they reach out to? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I guess that's, and that's, I, I don't have an answer either. You know, that that's the, the million dollar question is how do you reach more people? Uh, I, I looked up the statistic. I think it was there are 12 million visually impaired people living in the United States and there are 200 blind hockey players. So it's like there's this huge well that we can draw. I think a lot of the issues of getting folks on um, on the ice is cost and kind of fear. Uh, so how, how do we let people know? Like, how do you let people know it's going to be all right? Um, one way we did here in Dallas was there's a an annual um, a visually impaired um, event that one of the schools and one of the independent school districts puts it on, and so our general manager's son always a competitor in you know, like little Olympic type games outside in the field. And so one of the things I had been asked to do was, Sharon, can you come and, you know, be at one of the tables to talk about the other sports going on? You had the, uh, those there with the beat baseball talking about the sport. And so I was there talking about blind hockey. I had a blind hockey pucks with me. People could touch, shake, you know, and, and, and learn more about it. And, of course, one of the things that always come up was it would cost a lot to play hockey, you know. And so we kind of dive into that conversation about how we – we work to, you know, get our teams um, equipped so they can play, um, get our ice time, how we, you know, we do go after donations and things that we can do to, to make sure that the these kids having a, a chance to at least come out and try and see if they're interested in the sport. But you're right. It's, it's that's the fear is, is, you know, how will it cost? And then a lot of times once we get um, – Brand new folks in Texas on the ice for the first time is the fear of the ice. You know, it's the fear of, of falling. In fact, Texas has a program here at some of the rinks where they turn um, like five gallon buckets upside down and stack them to give their new skaters a chance to hold on to the buckets and push them around so they learn to skate. So when I saw that, 
know, in the hockey program, I was like, what are they doing? And they're oh, well, they don't know how to skate yet. You know, we're in the penalty buckets. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> Give them a stick, you know. <laughs> so you, you see that they approach it from trying to alleviate fear. So, and, and my my kind of final question is, do you, what are your um, suggestions for teams to better fundraise? Whether they're fundraising for a tournament, they're fundraising for their season. Um, I know that that's kind of a, a large question, but uh, have you found that anything's worked a little bit better for you or... Well, for, for us personally in Dallas, our opportunity to, to get really involved with fundraising did not yet, you know, materialize before COVID uh, had come about. And, you know, you look at some of the standard ways to, you know, have, we had talked about having a, like a, um, a game between our team and was it some of the... Some junior hockey players um, or um, the Wounded Warriors team that we have here. Um, Dallas Warriors. And then allow our, our blind folks to play against each other. I mean, there was just a, a couple of things that came to mind, but um, on the on the bigger scale for like um, Tony for Team USA, you know, what Mike Savak is, you know, had me doing, it was like looking for ways to, you know, find other modalities to grow our sport, grow our, get the word out, grow our influencers, and to, you know, get more people involved with, you know, helping us get where we need to be um, with our fundraising, with uh, having opportunities to let our donors we already have and know how you're doing you know what how's the team progressed so far since 2018 when it initially started and you know providing some metrics on how um you know what what tournaments and what camps and what clinics and you know how close you are to your your next camp and um the fact the paralympics is in sight that's something for 2026 that's a goal so it's kind of building the communication around that to help grow and, you know, make larger fundraising campaigns while at the same time having all the small type of traditional fundraising that you would have uh, going on during those, uh, during those events. So there's no real one answer. I would say that because with any type of, Fundraiser and even looking for philanthropic funds is, you know, you may you may hear no a lot. Um, you know, for example, if I was talking about our local baseball team needed funds so they could go to the Olympics or something, people have a point of reference for that. But when I mention, oh, hey, yeah, we're looking to, you know, fundraise, we're looking for donors for uh, our blind U.S. blind hockey team to go to the Paralympics. It takes a minute for people to process what I've just said because of the fact that blind hockey is still such a, you know, a small, small percentage of hockey in the world. What did you say earlier? There was maybe 200. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And, and 12 million visually impaired folks. Mm hmm. 
So it, it takes a minute to process. And so it's it's getting the word out and letting people know this is here. And then we can go after the funding and resources that we need. One Another one is if your uh, local area has any grants that you can apply for. That's a really good uh, uh, avenue. The other is uh, that Coach Savak has me working on is some, some, some federal grants. Um, and even then, for federal grant readers to read that, oh, there's blind hockey. We're trying to, you know, promote blind hockey here and, and get a grant. It it's, takes a moment for those readers, for those grants to go, wow, blind hockey. So it really is getting in all the spaces and getting the word out. That's great. No, I um, I I don't disagree. I, I guess uh, that that was kind of the question that I asked. To, this whole conversation has kind of been the question that that we usually ask people at the end, and like, what do what do we need to do to grow the sport? And uh, you know, when we get to the Olympics, make sure that we're we're at a good level and that we can can show well for ourselves. Um, I think I think that this. That this talking to you folks has has definitely proven that this isn't Tony and Tim Kane and and all those guys do a really good job in you know being a face for the team and and you know when people get to see them it's exciting and 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 they they're amazed at their skill but it's volunteers like you guys that that really make the the ship go um, with blind hockey and being a volunteer. Um, are there things that you may hope for for your players that they don't necessarily know that they should be hoping for as far as? Yeah, the, Paral the Paralympics in 2020. <laughs> 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 we we want to, well, we're meeting them where they are. And but at the same time, you know, wanting to know that there's there's more growth and potential with their sport to not only succeed, you know, at, at the sport of hockey, which, you know, I'm absolutely crazy about. And I think anyone that's on the ice, I applaud them. And if they're visually impaired, I doubly applaud them for being out there. But it, it hockey does more than connects you to others in the sport. I think hockey is a good leeway into having a successful life. It's a, it's a team building experience. It teaches you skills that um, you can take with you forever. That's those are much. It was so profound on that. <laughs> those are those are so much better words than I have had all night. <laughs> you know, I um, I guess I just wanted my last my last piece. Um, you know, when when I heard that Dallas was getting a a blind team, I was super excited, and uh, I had wanted to do whatever I could to help. And, and it was one of those things that travel, it just, I couldn't be there when they started. And then when I was there, there wasn't practice. So um, do you, I, I know what my family has been like when they've seen blind hockey being from Chicago or, and having lived in Chicago, did their reactions in Texas to blind hockey make you chuckle? A little bit more. It, down here, it, it's it's a little different. Um, it's not expected, you know, to see that puck, to hear that puck. Um, what we heard, you know, a lot of is it sounds like a cowbell. 
you know, it, that's how noisy it is. It sounds like there's a bunch of cowbells out there. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit of a shock at first. And then uh, people ask you what's going on. You explain to them exactly what you're doing and uh, what group you've got out there coaching. And um, eventually they realize that, hey, this is hockey and this is like what my grandson plays on the other rink, you know. Um, that, that's what we've typically been seeing is people are getting interested in it, but didn't know it existed. Another cool thing was the, the ice we shared every week when our practices was with uh, our Dallas sled team. So the sled folks and those that, that came to watch the play and the practice were seeing blind for the first time. And the blind uh, parents, the, the parents of the visually impaired and blind uh, players were seeing sled for the first time. And so you were just growing this whole uh, you know, new awareness of, you know, the sports that are available. So it was really good. We would notice everyone just would normally, the same group coming back every mm -hmm. week would bring their, you know, their parents or their sisters or brothers, their grandmothers, and everyone was having a good time. So we know that, you know, we were starting to make Texas aware that, hey, there's something else out here. Yeah, I definitely think uh, when when Texans actually see hockey, that's what hooks them. I feel like you could talk about to your blue in the face, and they wouldn't understand, and then they see it, and they're like, "Oh, it's like football with sticks and ice, <laughs> skates, and, skates. <laughs> and more pads, <laughs> a lot more pads." <laughs> but um, you know, thank you guys so much uh, for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I we we all really appreciate that you that you did this. Um, do you have Do you want to shout out your team? Do you have a website that people can go to to check you out? Where can they find you on social media? You can find us on social media. Let's see, Dallas Blind Hockey has two different names on social media. Um, it is. Dallas Blind Hockey or Facebook. I'm trying to make sure I'm not lying to you here. And then the Instagram, uh, I believe, is DFW Blind Hockey. Let me double check so I make sure I'm not giving you anything wrong. Dallas Blind Hockey is on Facebook. You can find us there. And then again, Instagram is DFW Blind Hockey. Um, are you, so are you guys working with the stars? I notice that your color scheme is the same, or is that the hope? I know that the team coordinator, um, and his wife, and I believe as well as uh, Mike Savak and then uh, Amy Lapo, both from USA Hockey, have been in conversations. I believe pre pre COVID uh, about different opportunities. I'm not really sure where they are now, but yeah, hopeful. Oh, okay. are hopeful. That would, no, <laughs> I mean, I think that would be amazing. And, you know, I know that um, a lot of the stars are, are really good guys and, and like to work with their communities. So I think that would be a, an awesome partnership and hope, and I'm hopeful, hopeful for you oh, guys. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if it was something that had already come to pass. 
I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that one. I do know we we do play in their rinks uh, here in in Texas. Uh, majority of the rinks are uh, operated, operated Dallas. Uh, they have the Dallas Stars logos and such on them, so they're operated by the organization. So they're aware that we're here, and we're hopeful that we can continue, you know, uh, collaborating together. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Um, well, thank you, thank you both again for for taking the time and coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'd just like to say again, thank you so much for being a volunteer. Thank you so much for getting involved in blind hockey and with Team USA and in Dallas and with Chicago and you know I just like to reiterate the fact that uh, w without volunteers there will be no growth for this game and you know you guys are incredibly passionate about hockey and now you're incredibly passionate about blind hockey and we're just very lucky we're, everywhere. we're just everywhere now <laughs> <laughs> I, I i have i have to appreciate people who come from the hockey community to come and coach uh especially disabled especially something that it's so tough to wrap your head around. Um, I, I know coaching. I've coached so many different sports and seen so many different people. To 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 know a good coach when I can just have a conversation with them. And it's so great to have people like that that want to volunteer and work their way up and create an actual infrastructure of what we're doing because this is how, how we're going to get that. Like you said, those twelve year olds. That's the next generation of what's coming up, and when they get through that, that's that group. That's that group that's that's going to be turning just about eighteen, isn't it? Right, that's eighteen, isn't it? Yeah, that's getting right about that right. age in twenty twenty six. So that's the infrastructure that we need to get them through, and that get like a, get an actual teenage program in place so they're actually learning at the same kind of level. Obviously, with 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 I, with a little bit of concept, but uh, at, at the same level as they should be in incited hockey, so we can actually get that through. So I appreciate that that's there, and I appreciate that you guys are taking it wherever, taking it with you wherever you're going. So thank you for coming on, and I hope to meet you guys sometime soon, whether it's down in your sunny place or somewhere else where <laughs> we might actually have a tournament. So. That sounds great. We're looking forward to our next gathering where we can all actually be physically together in the same location. Um, hopefully that'll happen soon. We can all hang out. That's the dream right now. April? April is a disabled fest? Uh, that, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But that's the dream. Well, thank you guys again for coming on. Um, we, we really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Dented Puck. We post new content every Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Dented Puck and on Facebook at The Dented Puck Podcast. Send us your questions and correspondence to thedentedpuckpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.